Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And of course, over on Facebook as well. You never want to miss an opportunity to win some of those free herd tickets that we are all the time giving away. And please go down into the description of these episodes. All the links to all of our social medias and the links to our kick-ass sponsors are down there as well. But we want you to give a follow, subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel. Uh, if you didn't see the last episode that we posted, it looks like a lot of people did. Yeah. Uh, of course, we had head football coach Charles Huff, and uh, that's the type of stuff you can expect to be able to watch over on the Thundercast YouTube channel. You don't want to miss any of that content that we got going on over there. Uh, Russ, it's been a really busy week. There was a lot of news in and out, some huge stories. We took a couple of big exhales on some fronts, and now we might be holding our breath a little bit on some other news that's coming out there just to see how things ultimately play out in the end. But uh, in the interim, you know, makes you take a take a back a minute and go, okay, well, where do we go from here? So we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to cover a great bit of news, a whole lot of uh, around the herd going on because lots of stuff is in full swing. Um, so uh, let's let's get us a, a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Okay, let get this cat rolling. We've got a lot of info to cover, we've got a lot to talk about, and a lot going on, so let's start it off with at least five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. All right, five things every herd fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by Ignite Link, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, huge news: Owen Porter returns. <laughs> uh, I don't even need to expound on that, really. I mean, that's the news in and of itself. I think that's the one that everybody was like on the edge of their seat: Is he going to play? Yeah. It, it, that was the question I thought, you know, personally, until I started hearing some other things, it was like, okay, is he considering transferring? But mm -hmm. it kind of came out that it was like, well, is he just kind of done playing because he wanted right. to pursue medical school? And I had no idea yeah. that was the, that was the route. Uh, but luckily he's going to come back and play for the herd one more year and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be that that medical school, that was one of about five different stories that were all totally different that everyone said, trust me, I have the inside. Mm, scoop. Yeah. You know, so I just ignored them all, you know, and waited to hear from Owen himself. I think one, our athletes deserve that, that they get to be the ones, you know, sure. to make this announcement. Uh, it's their lives that we're talking about and, and everything. So he, he came back and did it on a, a, a formal zoom call to the local media and kind of cleared that up. And it was good news uh, because of the timing and everything, which we'll get into here in a little bit, but uh local kid 
you know, all the family in the area, everyone was cheering him on anyway. And then in my opinion was the team MVP on the defensive side last year. Uh, what you hope to be an anchor of that defense and defensive line who will join a couple of other people returning. Uh, so, uh, couldn't have been better news for me. You can't understate the fact that without Owen Porter on the defensive line, the defensive line has, uh, you know, work to do to get back to the level to where they were. Yeah, we're yeah. we're we're losing some other guys due to the exhaustion of eligibility and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that guy's just a straight difference maker. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it's already going to be considered one of the best to ever suit up for the herd, right? Already. Yeah. Now you're going to get to move into that level of like all time, all time great. You know, to where people talk about what you did for decades to come. Like we do some of these other players that we just continually go back and watch YouTube highlights of that are 10, 15, 20, 25 years old. Really? Uh, this is just a, this is awesome. Awesome news. And uh, man, if you didn't hear about that and it's, you know, that happened a few days ago, if you're just hearing about it now, we're glad to bring you the news. So um, huge piece, the third huge, huge piece to announce coming back to that Marshall defense. Yeah. Number two over in basketball, uh, Tavion Kinsey got the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week again. That's made his third on the uh, season so far. And also during that, on Saturday's game, he passed John Taft for third and all-time leading scorer in Marshall history. Yeah, and I saw um, somebody texted me – a friend of ours texted me with the math that he would need to for mm-hmm. the remainder of the season. And John Elmore's record is very much in the crosshairs. It can yeah. be attained, right? It's sure. not going to take like averaging 40 points for the remainder no. of the season. It's right there. It's like you got to average like 20 or 21 points or something like that. The remaining, however many games they have for the remainder of the season. And if, if this Marshall team gets, uh, makes a deep run into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and then ultimately maybe gets an NCAA tournament bid, that's just extra games he's going to get to uh, attain that record. And, you know, let's not forget for folks that sometimes have a short memory, they might say, well, you know, that's that's not entirely fair. Well, we, you know, we played in the, what was that, the CBI that year? And mm-hmm. John set the record in, in, the, yeah. in the CBI. So it, it's all fair game, right? It's all games. And yeah, I know some folks will say, well, John missed the first half of his first year at Marshall because of, uh, you know, what VMI did with this uh, releasing him from a scholarship and stuff, but I get it. It's all games and points, right? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If um, I had to go back and look, I think he missed six, maybe eight games is what John Elmore missed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kenzie, because of the COVID uh, year, he gets a fifth year, but right. you know, that tournament was cut short uh at least by one game that you know they were getting ready to play in when the announcement was made but possibly they could have had a deeper run you never know could have made the NCAA tournament that year uh they also had a shortened 2021 season as well if you look at the games played per average Taft is right up there you know because he I I can't remember what the deal was but I don't think he was a starter the first half of his freshman year or whatever, but um, we're not talking about an average. We're talking about all-time points, okay? So no asterisks or anything, just points scored in a Marshall uniform, and it looks like 
Kenzie had 12 games plus at least one tournament game that we will play in in the Sun Belt Conference prior to yesterday's game. And if he averaged around 20 points, he mm -hmm. was going to win. Yeah, uh, beat, attain, beat attain the number one spot. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was going to he was going to beat Elmore. So, uh, still had to perform at a high level. Twenty mm -hmm. points in college is yeah, and you, you got to avoid injury. Level. You've got, yeah. I mean, you've got to stay healthy. You've got to be able to be in the games to attain that record. So it's it's very much a longevity record that just as much as it is a, a production record. You know, if you're yeah. not around to play the games, then you know the you're not going to be around to uh, attain that many points. Uh, I don't know. Some folks are just, you know how it is. Like you tend to um, be more tied to the athletes and the players from your particular era. And you yeah. don't, you know, whether these guys care if their records get broken or not is almost irrelevant to some of the fans. Cause they're like, well, that I was around when he was, he was the best I've ever seen. It's a, it's a whole lot like the Jordan and LeBron argument. <laughs> okay. Which, so, which is no argument on my, on my <laughs> side. <laughs> but uh, any way you want to look at it, what Tavion Kenzie has done in her uniform is amazing. And everybody, you know, last year was over the moon when he said, I'm coming back for one more year. Right. So we're seeing the 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 benefits of that decision in real time. Marshall is streaking. They've become a national darling, you know, with with piling up all these wins, the best start to a season in what did I see today? 27 years or something like that. I mean, it's it's since the Huckabee early 80s years that the that the record is. And the only one that is better than that was the 71 to 72 season when they started 18 and two. So, yeah. I mean, you're going back 51 years to 52 years just to get to a better start. Yeah. So a couple of more notes uh, on uh, Tavion Kenzie was also named to the uh, Oscar Robertson midseason or trophy midseason watch list. So another huge accolade for Tavion and it's not just him right this is total team effort but this thing is about him because of the yeah. thing you know he moved into third all-time scoring and the number one spot is right there within reach and uh he's just a special player three-time Sunbelt player of the week nobody's done that this year uh I think you have to say right now right now if the season ended right now He's Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. That's the yep. type of level he's playing at, uh, along with, you know, the complimentary play of of Taylor and Kerfman and Han Lockton and, you know, Connor and Fricks and and Obina and all these guys are are allowing him to play his game, which is something we talked about heavily coming into this season, is how everybody kind of played out of their normal role, and now they're back into that, and we would be intrigued to see how that translated. And boy, is it not translating into a ton of wins. It's pretty great to see. So congratulations to Tavion for a great uh, great week personally, and we'll talk more about the team later on. Yeah, and um, with that conference player of the year thing, if it ended right now, there are a lot of times that someone might be the best player in the conference, but – the powers that be that name these people would say, yeah, but he played on a last place team. We're tied for first, yeah. you know, and, and that, that goes a long way as well. So it's almost looking like somebody has a lot of work to do just to catch up with him to be named that. So um, let's go over to number three. Uh, the baseball schedule is now out and uh, no, surprise because we don't have the field built yet it's in the process 
we have decided to put some of the games up route two in Huntington and mm-hmm. then some in Charleston and not all I'm looking at the schedule here. Not all of the Southern or Sunbelt conference games are going to be played in Charleston, but uh, a large percentage of them plus Ohio state when we play there. So it, it's looking like some of the bigger games will be played in Charleston. Uh, and that could be for travel reasons for the opposing team. Don't really know the whole story, but We'll be playing a lot in Charleston and a lot here in Huntington. And uh, we've got some good matchups. Yeah, I think the biggest note, though, is the changing of the Akron game mm-hmm. with what all, of course, went around with the ho- coaching hire and and all that kind of stuff. So that was replaced with, I believe it was Moorhead State. Moorhead State on May yeah. the 10th. So I'm sure there is no... Um, it wasn't anything negative to go with that. It was probably more like, you know, in fairness to like, we had talked about this in a separate conversation, in fairness to the players that, you know, were there and all that kind of, it's just, it's just the right thing to do. You can always schedule another series with Akron or a single game midweek. It's, it's not that huge of a deal. It was just, it made for an intriguing storyline going in, but, Mm -hmm. um, to see that come off the schedule and get replaced, it's not surprising and probably is really the kind of the right thing to do when you can put it right back on the schedule, you know, in 2024. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, the things that I like to look at is kind of where we're going to be playing. A uh, couple of places when I went down to the bowl game, I went inside and checked out uh, – Coastal Carolina Stadium, and it's really nice. And we've got a game down or a series down there, I should say. Uh, it's the last games before we go into the Sunbelt Conference tournament. And uh, that'll be May 18th, 19th, and 20th. I know that we've got a lot of fans from down in that area. Mm-hmm. So that'll be good to go watch some what would hopefully be in May, some good weather in Myrtle Beach uh, to watch that. Maybe people coincide with taking a little mini vacation down there to get away. And also these Charleston games for people that live right in Charleston that are herd fans or further away from like up 77 or up 79, even Beckley, you know, uh, places that we've got pockets of really good herd fans, but it just makes their trip a little bit shorter. Uh, You know, cutting off 45 minutes to 50 minutes, there and back you know so it's saving you a lot of a lot of travel time yeah so really hope to see when we're up there in that park which is a nice park uh like to see uh that get packed out some marshall fans i usually don't get the opportunity you've been able to do this several times and and shout out your hometown and where you're from and and my hometown is like what you're talking about on the other Mm -hmm. side of charleston Mm -hmm. so you know, I I get the opportunity to do that now. So, you know, for, for, for my mom example, to drive to Huntington, it's an hour and 20 minutes, you know, and maybe a little longer with traffic. Mm -hmm. Well, hell, she can be in Charleston in 25 minutes, you know, so that's, that's more of an attractive thing. You can, that's, that doesn't become an all day thing just to go catch a baseball game. Now it, it becomes something you can do for a couple hours and then, you know, go maybe have dinner in Charleston and go back home and be there 20 minutes. So for those folks, uh, like, uh, well, heck we can talk about Larry. I know Larry's listening, my cousin. Uh, so all the folks in Cedar Grove and Glasgow, where I'm from, you can, uh, make the tri- trip to Charleston and catch some herd baseball, some high quality herd baseball. There's going to be, uh, I think one of the, is, is it the, uh, the, uh, WVU game 
in Charleston. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's a great opportunity to see a nice in-state rivalry renewed uh, on the diamond. And all you got to do is make a half hour jaunt to Charleston to watch that one play out. I'm, I'm sure that will be a marquee game on the schedule for both teams. You've also got people, uh, I don't know the numbers, obviously, but people that live here in Huntington or Barbersville, you know, Cerrito, Canova, that work in Charleston yeah. or St. Albans, Valley, some, yeah. somewhere up that way that instead of coming back home, it would be quicker for them to either stay or drive on up to Charleston if mm-hmm. they're close, watch the game, then drive back afterwards. So I'm, I'm happy with it, uh, especially until this new stadium gets completed uh i think it's a good move yeah it, it is i mean look we've for years we've roasted the fact that we've had to travel to several sites mm-hmm. and it's still not ideal but this is should be the last hurrah for doing that right yeah unless they just play one special game in charleston every year or something like that to keep yeah. to keep an opportunity for fans of that area to come and be able to watch a marshall game yeah. so just uh you know, go Mart. It used to be Power Park. Now it's Go Mart Park, which I think yes. is awesome. By the way, uh, it's yeah. just a cool little thing I learned the other day. They better uh, step their hot dog game up, though. I don't want a Go Mart <laughs> hot dog. <laughs> Do you remember when they used to have the uh, something something Roadkill Cafe, like chips yeah. and stuff? I wonder yeah. if they, are they serving that because that would be pretty. <laughs> that'd be pretty banger if they did. I'm just saying, get some Roadkill Cafe chips and and stuff like that. I just hope that they have now come into the age of the 20th century even to uh, <laughs> to accept a debit card what? at the Dippin' Dots after your three young children who don't understand have already yeah. been given their helmet of Dippin' Dots ice cream and then you have to take it back from them and say, sorry, these people unannounced only accept cash. Yeah, sorry, dog, that's on you. This is free yeah. Dippin' Dots as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, I, I thought those kids were going to burn not only that park <laughs> down, but the the surrounding city. All right, Uh also with schedules number four women's soccer spring schedule is out and this will be your opportunity starting here right in february and running through april to see up to five home games here at huntington but i'm going to run through them all real quick february 24th concord will be at home time's already been set on that at 7 p.m february 26th the international team uh should be some news coming out on that soon uh time to be determined but they're coming here march the 4th we'll travel to moorhead state not too far away time to be determined march 26th kentucky is coming here at 5 p.m april the 2nd we are going to virginia tech and radford at radford uh time to be determined on that and then finally march i mean april the 7th we'll be back here Ohio University is coming here at 7 p.m. So several opportunities to get out and support herd women's soccer. If they're doing tickets, if these are free admission, that's one thing. If if it's ticketed, of course, we will have tickets available uh, to give away, as we always do. Uh, along with uh, this women's soccer spring schedule announcement earlier this week, uh, the women's soccer team signed a couple of players via the transfer portal. Uh, Yoshiki Kitadai from Kochi, Japan, by way of Indiana University, and uh, Hannah Tellish from Orlando by way of Mississippi State. So a couple of additions through the portal. 
Remember, we saw the departure of Morgan White from the team last year, which was a big loss. So hopefully with the addition of these two, plus uh, some of the others that have brought that they've brought in and the continued development of this herd women's team, uh, they can really build off of that momentum that they saw in the latter half of last season where they really started to come into their own and started making some noise and started garnering some bigger wins over some tough opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, the spring schedule is, co- of course, going to go a long way into setting them up for success in the fall. But, you know, we're, we're not sitting on our hands here. You know, we're, we're not just losing some impactful players. We're going out and, uh, you know, on the recruiting trail, hitting the portal and trying to rebolster the roster here as well. Um, we'll just see how that team chemistry looks here in the spring for the spring schedule, but it's a good time to be excited. Soccer's again. We talked about the men's team last time and and how they're in the the, the defending spring tournament champions that they're in. So now it's the win, the ladies' turn to uh, get things rolling. So soccer season in Huntington. All right, number five, the Marshall and Liberty series in football has been canceled. Now we have not seen a statement from our athletic department on this but they are no longer on the Liberty side. They have released their schedules and they have made official statements that that game is no longer being played, neither them coming here or us going there. So while it has not been confirmed where there's smoke, there's fire. And we're comfortable in saying if Liberty is saying that they're not playing the game, Chances are we're not playing the game. I mean, I don't need an official statement from Marshall when there are media outlets in Virginia saying Mm -hmm. that. That's an official statement. It's just not a from our athletic department. Yeah, Uh, I I guess we will find out more about this. Like, uh, you know, again, you and I were talking before we hit the record button. Uh, about how this hall plays out when we see who we get on the schedule and um, you know, but as far as payouts and things like that go, that's, that's just not out there right now. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of folks like to talk about that stuff and they like to know if we are on the bad side of that deal or if we're coming out ahead, but you know, we can say going into that, that was a big plus for the herd, the way that deal was structured. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out once we figure out who's coming on the schedule and, you know, the finances that ultimately come out, you know, in those articles or that, you know, inevitably hit the airwaves. So, but one thing you can be sure of that series is currently no more. So um, I don't know who's available. I haven't dived in to see everybody's <laughs> free, who's free on that week in that particular year or whatever, but we know that ultimately doesn't matter. They can shuffle dates and years and, you know, they can make things happen if they need to. We saw it just earlier, right. With the NCAA, NC state game and, some things getting shuffled around because of other things that got shuffled around. And, you know, it's very fluid. It's always very fluid, but uh, one to keep an eye on. We'll see if we can get a more, um, I don't want to call it a fan friendly series, but something that, you know, again, I, I think about that will be a draw for the home team, Marshall, mm-hmm. but also fans will want to travel to, yeah. and it's a win-win. So I don't know who's out there, but you know, I got faith. I got faith in Christian and, and, you know all the all the decision makers and folks in the behind those uh, behind those scenes to to bring in a series that uh, her fans can get excited about. I'm going to say what I don't think is controversial, but some people may take it that way. But I am 100 percent glad that we are not playing Liberty. 
I actually want nothing to do with that university yeah. in, in right. any fashion with uh, athletics or otherwise. I don't think uh, you're alone in that. Uh, oh, I know. Course, I'm not, I know. At I'm least, not alone. At least, I mean, according to our timeline, there were some folks that said good, good riddance, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, of course, I'm not trying to take a stance one way or the other. It's just like from a fan perspective, Liberty just doesn't move the needle for me. You know, I'm not excited about playing them. So that's what I, I like to I'd like to bring somebody in that I can get excited about playing. I'll I'll take a stand because you know me I don't care <laughs> you don't give a shit <laughs> yeah but uh, uh, I think that they are a trash university and and that's not me knocking Christians I mean you know uh, spoiler alert I'm a Christian but um, I think that they're uh, the way they have handled quite a bit of things sweeping things under the rug um, you know. I don't know. And how desperate is it that the rumor was, and I know they did this for other schools, but mm -hmm. the rumor was when they were not only going to pay us to come there, but they were paying us so they could come here, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I, everything about that university just screams, stay away. Mm -hmm. All the scandals that have been out of there and the things that they have done to their students and swept under the rug. And, Oh, by the way, I can't imagine a, more depressing tailgate situation when you go there when you can't have alcohol or tobacco products anywhere on campus um you know and i no you don't have to drink to uh to tailgate but i just don't see that being a very happy tailgating you know when you're going to show up 6 hours beforehand and have some dr pepper <laughs> <laughs> you know I, is that allowed it's got caffeine i don't, I don't know. know are they going to allow their there are uh, people that are of age to have caffeine. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited to see. I always get excited and amped up when there's a, a schedule opening. Cause I'm always like, Ooh, where are we going to go? Are we going to try to do like a, a one and done thing for a paycheck? Or are we going to try to, you know, bring in a team that we have some history with? All I really want is like, please don't give me another medium tier Mac team. I'm like, I'm tired of that. I'm and, and I know the herd fans are too, because every time it gets announced, it's like, oh my God, not again, you know, not again. Give us somebody different. Give us someone different. You know, so, we did this exercise before where we were talking about like if you could bring anybody in. I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember that when we did that on the show. And uh, two that stand out to me quickly, which, you know, again, it would be a pipe dream to do a one and one. One of them, we had a one and one scheduled before, but that would be Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see Pitt come here. And with the ties that uh, Christian has up there, that would be something that I think would be attractive. Is it easy to pull off? No, I'm not saying that whatsoever, but that would be one for me. And the other one would be UK, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just that close. We got so many fans down there. I'd like to see UK come over here and us go there. I also yeah. don't think that it's something that's going to happen. No, I'm, I mean, I've just been under the longstanding understanding that Kentucky has basically said we're never coming to Huntington. I don't know if right. that's true or not, but you know, they've got, they've got the money they, to do that. So they don't even want to schedule us for, for there at a home game, as I yeah. understand it, you know, yeah. it's an SCC team. They're trying to, you know, make a splash their football programs on the rise in the sure. SEC, but they still have a long hill to, to get to be with the Georgias and the Alabama's. Uh, but I mean, even look at Tennessee and Auburn and, 
Uh, Florida, you know, I, I don't care what recent records show. Historically, they have been higher than UK. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. But UK has come a long way. They're an exciting program. I get why they might not want to risk a loss to a Sunbelt team. Yeah. Without expounding on this for another 20 minutes, which I could sure. easily do. Yeah. There are a lot of attractive options in the, if you just draw a five hour radius around Huntington yeah. in any direction, yeah. then you can, you can land on some, on some teams. I think folks would get excited about whether it's a new destination they may get to travel to or somebody that we've had, uh, you know, rough and tumble games with in the past, mm-hmm. whatever the storyline is you're trying to create, there are some good options there, but Again, God, just don't don't give me Eastern Michigan, please. You know, I mean, I'm not nothing against them personally, but that's just not something that is going to help you sell a ticket to a Hearn fan. I'll say too, no one from Conference USA. I mean, I I would entertain WKU just because of that rivalry, but that's the only one. I definitely don't want Houston Baptist, <laughs> New or, Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but no one from that trash conference. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Liberty couldn't have fallen into a. Well, we've already conference. got Middle Tennessee on the schedule, right? I know, so I know. you don't you don't want to get that into the into a into a, a tier. But you you know you it would be cool to maybe get again. We're going to get stuck <laughs> stuffed right into this again. You know, teams like UAB that are moving over to the American teams that we've played before that we had good games with that you know that that's that's a fun rematch type thing. So, but I'm sure we will talk more about this later, but God, you got to get me off of this before I I, I dive in. What's the next thing? Come off the ledge. Back up before you go down the rabbit hole. But let's step out onto a more narrow ledge and talk about our only negative from the things. This is a bonus thing, by the way. Number six, Lance Guidry leaves to be the defensive coordinator at Tulane. Now, again, there has still been no official statement. However, if you go over to Mr. Guidry's uh, likes on his Twitter, he has liked a bunch of the statements that say, hey, congratulations and good luck being the defensive coordinator at Tulane. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's about enough of a confirmation as you need. Sometimes athletic departments have to wait on some things. Exactly. If he has not signed all the contracts and dotted the T's and – or dotted the I's and crossed the T's, that sort of thing. Um, maybe there is going to be no comment from either organization. Well, let, let me take that a step further. If you go to the his Twitter account, his profile header banner it says Tulane football. I mean, that's... oh, it, that must have just changed last <laughs> last night. I don't think it was there yet. I think it. So we'll we'll just call that one official without a without a you know tweet being put out by either side or by Tulane yeah. football or whatever. But you're right. Yeah. Sometimes certain dates have to get hit. You know, maybe we can't sign until after February 1st or something like that. Who knows? But Well, we, we saw that with uh, uh, Coach Bills in baseball here. You know, the Board of Governors had to meet to officially do that and, and announce that. You know, an announcement couldn't be made until they had voted on it. Yeah. Very similar could be holding everything up down there. And we just can't as a university spoil that for Tulane, but the media has been reporting it for days. Coach Guidry has confirmed it. Everything's confirmed. There's just been no statement from Tulane and there's been no statement from Marshall about it. Yeah. So aside from all that, from that hoopla, this happened at least publicly quickly because I I didn't hear, there wasn't like, Oh, there's rumors that, you know, Guidry might be gone and it just kind (laughs) of happened. And I was like, man, that was quick. 
But well, their defensive coordinator had uh, bolted the day before, and then as soon as he bolted that evening, they said uh, they would probably be targeting him the very next morning. They said it's yeah. done. So how could you? How can a? How can you blame the guy? Right, because right. he's a Louisiana guy. He was the head coach at McNeese. Tulane is on a really good rise right now, uh, fresh off of beating USC. I mean, this is this is a really exciting team. You know, this is a new team on the scene. I don't want to say new team, but they they haven't. This is a historically not a very winning team, and now mm-hmm. they're winning, and I like seeing that. And anytime your coaches are getting hired away, it means you've got good coaches. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is not totally surprising. And while it sucks from a herd fan perspective, because we had such a great defense, he said, did did such a great job. I just don't take the route of, well, you know, he should have stayed here because you're not required. Like if, if you get to do the same job at home or in a, in a, in an area where you're more familiar or or it's just home, you're from Louisiana. So, uh, and you're going to get paid probably more to do that. Wouldn't you do it? Wouldn't you yeah. do it? I'd do it. He played at McNeese State. He's mm-hmm. from Louisiana. He played at McNeese in Louisiana. He coached at McNeese in Louisiana. Uh, in my opinion, is the reason that we had that pipeline going. Yeah. Which we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about here in a minute. But um, the only thing that I'll say is you said they're on the rise, which no one can dispute. But mm-hmm. last year they were 2-10 and 10 and 1-7 and seven in their conference. So mm-hmm. – this is a one-year type deal. However, how transformative is that money pay, playing a New Year's bowl, a New Year's Six bowl, and that exposure for doing that? Uh, couple that with uh, Cincinnati and Houston and UCF bolting from the conference. Uh, they just have a recipe for they are now the team to beat, probably with UTSA in the new AAC and. Uh, yeah, they're they are. They're a team on the rise. But for anybody that wants to say, no, they're not. They went two and ten last year. Things can change in a. They're much more likely to come closer to their twenty two record than their twenty one record in twenty three. Mm-hmm. Well, they've, much, lo- much. they've locked up the the head coach for yeah. an extended contract, so you can tell they're committed to trying to sustain this success and you can be committed to trying to, to sustain it and actually sustaining it are two vastly different things. Yeah. But I just don't blame him for making the move. Right. But what is it? So what does that do? That opens the door at Marshall for a coach to come into a really good situation situation. because we are also a program on the rise. So no matter what some folks like to believe we were a nine win team, that was really close to being a 10 and or 11 win team last year, play here, there drive here, there, and you're a 10 or 11 win ball club. Mm -hmm. And it opens the door for somebody to either a get elevated. That's currently on staff to that position, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later in other Mm -hmm. episodes, or B you cut, you go and make an outside hire of someone to come into a really good scenario. And this is very much like this, the transfer portal. You can't, just root on these guys that decide to come here and then chastise them when they decide to leave. That's just not a good look, right? It's just not a good look. So I wish him nothing but the best, right? He's been a head coach in the past. He could go and, and attain that head coach status again. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just, 
well, how are you going to get mad at somebody? They came here, performed at a high level, took us to an, a, the next tier up in a tougher conference, right? And moved on to what they perceive as a better opportunity. I can't fault them for that. Now yeah. it's on Marshall to make another hire to sustain that success and go to the next step up. So congratulations to Lance Gidry, man. He was nothing but cool when he was here and mm-hmm. and left us in a much better scenario than when he got here. And that's all that's yeah. about all you can ask from a coach. Like leave it yeah. better than you found it and he did that. Yeah. Yeah, the when you couple the pipeline, the growth of our defense uh year over year while he was here, um the development of players that were already here when he got them but made them into better defensive players. I just think that he has done about as good a job as a coordinator has done in the last mm-hmm. maybe 10, 15 years here at Marshall. I mean, you uh, probably have to go back without knowing every single defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, Chuck Heater was phenomenal at player yeah. development. Phenomenal. Yeah. And some yeah. of those guys from those, you know, early 20 teens teams, mm-hmm. the Cato years, they, when you talk to some of those guys, and, and we have, and I have, uh, they continue to use like the isms, you know, the coach isms. Like we all have the things that we say. Uh, and they, they, they say those that they were preached every day in practice, you know, finish your job, whatever, whatever the ism is for that coach. And they talk about that. So, uh, again, you can't also just give exclusively all the credit to Lance Gidry. He had a phenomenal staff of position coaches. And a lot of those guys, not all those guys are still here. So that's why it's easy for me to draw dots and say, well, it's really easy to go from continue that continuity because we've got some guys here currently on staff that either have been the defensive coordinator before or would make a great one. So it's just interesting to see where Charles Huff goes with this decision and uh, the trajectory of the herd defense moving forward. But I don't think if you're a candidate on that list, whoever his list of guys are, I don't think you can look at that and go, well, I've got a big rebuild with this herd defense. Hell no, you don't. You've got a plug-and-play type thing. A uh, piece here and a piece there, and you could be ready to roll once again. Mm-hmm. Well, that uh, that brings us to an end of our five plus one things that every herd fan needs to know this week. Again, as always, brought to you by Ignite Link. It brought to you by Ignite Link. Look, we don't have a whole, whole lot of uh, feature this week. The things were the feature because there was a lot of great news. We're going to, we promised you last week um, a little bit more football news because of the portal and uh, recruiting and signing day is drawing ever closer. It's just a couple of weeks away. The second signing day would be the first uh, part of February. And we were just so football heavy last week with the coach's interview, which we still can't be. Uh, we can't thank him enough to, for being so generous with his time. That was such a great interview and had such fun time doing it. Such a cool cat, and I'd like to have him back anytime, obviously. But uh, we wanted to talk about the transfer portal. We've mm-hmm. lost a, a number of guys. We've brought a number of guys in. And whether you like it or not, this is the way of the world in college football. I know mm-hmm. there are some fans that don't like it. Um, I'm not saying it's ideal. I'm not 100% for it, but I also don't hate it because who the hell am I to tell a guy that he can't go where he wants to go, right? Right. Um, so let's talk about the transfer portal. Where do you want to start? Are you talking about, are we going to talk about the guys that are leaving first or the guys that we have brought in so far? Yeah, let's talk about who's leaving. And, uh, just as a, uh, declaration, these in some of these that we're going to talk about in any other week could have been a thing for the five things, but it was so news packed. We just felt like since we're giving an update on the 
ins and outs and who's doing what that we would mention them here. So I've got a list of players in no certain order, but I'm going to, I guess if there's any order, if they have already committed and signed somewhere else to transfer, I'm going to list those players first. And then I'll list the other ones later. Now we are also by no means saying this is a 100% complete and accurate list. There are, there probably may be some guys on both sides of that coin that we've missed uh, because these databases are not a hundred percent accurate and sifting through the social media pages to find this is nearly impossible, but this is a pretty complete list. Pretty comprehensive. The only thing uh, with that as well is those that are transferring in anyone that listened to what coach said on our previous episode, which again, I urge everyone to go listen to that. Yeah. Um, they will not, announce the entirety of those transfers until the February 1st signing day. And that is to prevent those players from possibly being poached, which is still possible for a transfer, not for a high school student signing here, signing a national letter of intent, but until a player is enrolled at the new school and they are past the ad drop date, because yeah, they could just drop we off. are at Marshall. Yeah, that was Friday mm-hmm. of last week. They could drop and then go elsewhere. Yeah, but just for all intents and purposes, Coach said he's not going to announce all of them until February the first. But this is what we have official so far. First, transferring out Pete Zamora, quarterback, and he has gone to Tusculum. Jack Murphy, uh, offensive line, he has gone to App State. James Smyrie has gone to UAB. Emmanuel Balligan has gone to Charlotte. Dan Foster, linebacker. Oh, I should have said uh, Smyrie was a uh, linebacker. Mm-hmm. And um, Balligan was a defensive lineman. Dan Foster was a linebacker. Uh, he has gone to Texas State. Jaden Johnson, defensive back. Yeah, safety. Right? DB safety. safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is uh, has gone to Lindenwood. Emmanuel Bush, defensive line, has gone to James Madison. And Sherman Hatton, a defensive lineman, has gone to Slippery Rock. Now, ones that have entered the portal but have yet to commit elsewhere, uh, we have Shadid Ahmed, and that was just over this past week. Corey Gamage, another wide receiver with Ahmed, and that was uh, just... The last couple of days, it became official. DeMarco Gibson, that's been a few days, but I think it's close to a week as well, and he was a safety or a defensive back. Hagan Stevenson, also a defensive back. And earlier today, Andre Sam, a defensive back. I don't think it takes much more than a crayon and a sheet of paper to see where Andre Sam may be headed since he came here from McNeese State and kind of has that tie with Gidry, I just assume I could be wrong, but if I'm putting on my speculation hat, I would say you'd probably see him in a two-lane jersey next week. Well, not just from McNeese State, from Louisiana as well. So he's an in-state kid there. Um, And, yeah, I can't fault him for that. You get to go back (laughs) home, I mean, you know, and potentially play your final year of eligibility in front of more family because it's not an easy trip from Louisiana to Huntington. Uh, it's a long drive, and the flights are basically <laughs> impossible. So I don't, I don't, I was hoping, you know, against a little bit of hope that Andre might come back 
And once the news of Gidry being hired away came, I thought, okay, if anybody's going to make the the leap, it's it's it'll probably be Andre Sam. And you know that happened today. Again, I wish him nothing but the best. Mm-hmm. You know, he came here as a one year guy and really made a name for himself and particularly made a name for himself in early September in South Bend, Indiana. He had an, a, a phenomenal performance, like a 10 tackle performance against Notre Dame. Um, nothing but the best for Andre. I hope he goes down there and, and, you know, earns a starting spot. I don't know how they look at safety at Tulane. I mean, how would I know? But I hope he can go down there and earn some real playing time and be able to contribute in a big way like he would have inevitably done here. He would have inevitably been a starter here and and played for a really good her defense. So um, that one was kind of not surprising, I will say. Now, at least a handful of these guys have graduated – from Marshall University. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that we need to say as well, that we're not just talking about some people that were um, unhappy with their playing time or mm-hmm. their role on the team. A lot of these people have graduated from Marshall or spent four years here, and this COVID situation has given them one more year. Gamage fits into that category. He both graduated and has the extra COVID year to play. Andre Sam, I think, was, you just said he had one year to play, but the COVID year gives him the extra year, and that's why he has another year. Well, I mean, he came here just for a year. So he was a one, like Labor, he was a one-year guy here. Gotcha. I thought you meant that he only had, he was no. a senior coming here. No, he was a one, played for us just one year. That's what I'm saying. Gotcha. Just All right. Like, just like Labor. And you remember we were talking earlier in the season and, and when we found out if Labor wanted to return, he would have that like a seventh year. And Sam was the, in that same uh, scenario. So he's, he's, that's why we wondered, man, is he going to hang him up or is he going to come back and play or is he going to continue to play? And he's well, going to continue to play. It's just going to be in new Orleans. That still fits though, that he has the extra year because yeah, of yeah. COVID. Yeah. Um, so real quick, because we've, we've had some discussions, you in particular on, on uh, the timeline, <laughs> but um, we can't cheer for these players like Laburn and Sam and all these other players that we've brought in and just really cheer and say, wow, man, that's a transfer. We got them and everything. I've said this before, and then get pissed off when someone transfers out. Mm-hmm. You know, it it has to work both ways. It can't be that everyone on the planet wants to come to Marshall and then no one should ever, ever, ever leave Marshall. It just doesn't work that way. You're going to have people jockeying for position. You're going to have people that may want to go to a different university because they have the curriculum that they want to do because they've already graduated from here. We don't know. It might be wanting to move with a, a significant other. It might be someone that wants to be closer to their family. It doesn't matter why they want to leave. All that matters is they are a son of Marshall and we will support them. And I'm speaking for myself and you, but a lot of other herd fans that I've heard say, Hey, once a son of Marshall, always a son of Marshall. I just will never get behind anyone that says, well, they come here, but after that F them, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. Well, I, I've said this before. You know, we often we expect players to have the same level of love for this school that we do. 
right? And it's not the same. You know, they can come here and love Marshall as much as as I do, right? And and I mean, <laughs> there are guys that have done that, but there's a couple of scenarios, and all the ones that you just talked about are valid. But what you know, there are the scenarios that come here, and the guys like I am not happy here. I just sure. am not happy here. Yeah, I want to leave. Yeah. So you leave. And, and he's got it. he's got the same love from us that everybody else did. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't care why he's leaving. <laughs> it did, it's unfortunate it didn't work out. Yeah. But what am I? What are you supposed to say? Well, I don't care that you don't like it here. Yeah. You said you wanted to come here. Suck it up. No, no. If you're not playing, you think you should play. Go find a team that you can play for. You know, if that means, well, I've got to, whatever that means. I got to go down a level. I've got to go to a different conference. Whatever that means. If your main driver is I want to get on the field and I want to play, then do that. If you can't do that here, then do that, right? And so, and you know, a, a lot, of, a lot of folks will say, "Well, I had this earlier in particular," and I promise I'm not calling out this particular person, but this is an argument I've heard for years. And people say, "Well, players commit to schools, not coaches." That's not true. Players sometimes commit to schools. It's like that's my dream school. If Miami offers, if Marshall offers, that's where I'm right. going. But mm -hmm. most of the time you commit to a coach, right? Mm -hmm. If you didn't, then why the hell would schools spend so much money hiring a coach that's also an excellent recruiter, right? Because he can get kids to commit to playing for him. So when a coach leaves, well, it's only natural to go, well, I came, to, I committed to that guy. I committed to that coach or that, that lady. That's who I want to play for, right? So – you can't fault them for transferring out because a coach leaves or they're just unhappy with their situation or whatever. Um, and it's a double-sided coin. Andre Sam isn't here. Like you mentioned earlier, he's not even here if not for the transfer portal mm -hmm. and now he wants to leave again. So you can't get mad. <laughs> you know, it's like you wouldn't have had him at all if the transfer yeah. didn't what exist. We, what we can do is celebrate his time here and what he brought to the team, the locker room, the, for sure. uh, the, you know, the, a lot of these guys are doing community service and making a difference out here, talking to kids, uh, helping out with the different nonprofit organizations. They have done good job. Some of them came here, got a degree. They're leaving. So what? Let's celebrate yeah. their time that was here and not act like a jealous husband or boyfriend that, is now being broke up with. It's really easy to just go, well, this is the, this is all NIL. No, it may be not, you yeah. know, sometimes. Yes. You're, mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, that's never a factor. Of course it's a factor. Coach said it, you know, if we want to start being able to retain some of our players or, or have the argument to retain some of those guys that don't need, they're not looking for, you know, here in the last week, we've seen some of these egregious NIL rumors coming out from some of the top, 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 top players. I mean, millions of dollars. That's not what we're after here, right? <laughs> so, but if a guy can have his load lightened and play football, wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't Wouldn't you? I would. I mean, I don't go to work for free. I don't go to work for my health. I mean, I guess indirectly I do because my job provides me <laughs> health insurance, but um I don't do it because I like it. You know, I go to work every day to go home. And yeah. some people hear that and go, well, that's no attitude to have. But <laughs> that's what I do. I don't want to hang out. I want to be with my family. I want to be doing things that I love. And I go to work to to sustain that lifestyle. If they didn't pay me to go there, I wouldn't go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's it. So I'm not talking about, you know, we got to pay all of our players. But if that's a, if that's a consideration, 
you know, and, and it's a factor for some guys in leaving. And if you're content with saying, let them go, you can't be that guy, that fan that's like, NIL's terrible. I'm yeah. not helping. And, th- and this guy's transferring out. Well, that's ridiculous. Okay. What are we doing here? What do we, it's not the world we live in now. It's just not, it's not going to go back to the way it was. Forget it. It's not, you know, they can, they can put some restraints on some things mm-hmm. and they can limit the window that you can enter the portal, which they've done. You know, and then they can tie to that. Well, you'll have to sit if you transfer outside the window, which mm-hmm. I get, you know, and, I, and I'm OK with that. You know, give them some time to make a decision, let things play out and blah, 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 blah. But all those things need to be tied kind of together. Right. The coaching, the hirings and firings like, you know, the, those guys are free to go wherever. Right. If he's just like, I quit, I resign, then what he can go wherever he wants. Right. And he, he might be under contract, but if he resigns, what are you going to do? So, and, and the other scenario you've got to think about is what happens when a school just doesn't renew a scholarship for a player? Some folks think, well, that's a four-year commitment, right? Like, and some schools may have taken steps to make it that way, but by and large, historically, it's been a year-to-year agreement, mm-hmm. and it, your scholarship has to be renewed. So what if a new coach comes in? Or, you know, you bring in other more talented players and now they're saying, you know what, dude, Russ, we're not going to renew your scholarship. We thank you for your for all you've done here, but you're going to have to find a new home. Now what? So it's okay for a school to not renew a scholarship for a player, but it's not okay for a player to take a little bit more control of his own fate and put himself into a better position potentially. It's Mm got to be both ways. It's just got to be both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. I, I want to say to all these people that are complaining again, if anybody wants to complain to me, it's at R U S L I V I N G O O D. Hit me up. Uh, you can tell me how wrong I am and how I suck and all that. But uh, I would like to tell everybody that is telling these kids that they can't better their opportunities. Even if it's taking a step down a division or two divisions mm-hmm. to go to go play just to make it on the field because that might be the only thing they wanted to do in college was play football as they went to school. So I would want to tell all those people that wherever job they're in right now, that's where you're at until you die or you retire and there's no other chance. Never a chance that you can move with your family. Never a chance that you can... Uh, um, take another job that's better pay if they all of a sudden cut your health benefits or they say, Hey, everybody's taking a 10% pay cut or they just, you know, switch your shift to where now you're working all midnights. You can never, ever, ever, ever leave. How would you feel? What would you do? Would you say, Hey, I ought to have a right to go wherever I want. Well, so do they, man, Mm -hmm. you got to choose where you went to Marshall or you went to Ohio state or you went to wherever. And if you said, you know, I really think the curriculum, the career path would be better over here. And you transferred and went somewhere else, or you became a graduate student and you went somewhere else, you had that opportunity. So why would these kids, just because they play a sport that you're a fan of not have that same opportunity that other college students have? That's the rub. You can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't sit here and say, well, we don't have a dental school. So when someone gets done with their pre-med or whatever, and they go to dental school elsewhere or law school or something like that, because the state wants everything to go to WVU and not let Marshall have anything. Totally different topic. 
but <laughs> yeah, another get, one. I, another one I'd be glad to dive into. Yeah, don't get me started. But um, you know what I'm saying? You can't say, well, that's fine, but it can't be fine if they're playing football for Marshall because I really, really want to win. You know, yeah. that's yeah. Sorry, man. You know, yeah. uh, we could talk about this forever. So let's just go on to the transfers in. There's a couple here to to mention. Again, not a comprehensive list. J.J. Roberts coming in from uh, Wake Forest. He's a Cabell Midland kid. Safety. Playing, yeah, play, be playing safety. Kashawn Brown coming in from App State. Linebacker. I think so. Uh, and uh, his was real interesting because he just put it right out there. Sure did. Hey, they decided to uh, not they quit, let me. They quit me, as my, <laughs> yeah. as Brian would say. Yeah, they they're not going to allow me to uh, transfer as a graduate student and all that. So, yeah. uh, he uh, he put that out a little bit of extra motivation when he plays them. I'm quite sure. Colin Perichek's a quarterback comes over from Moorhead State. Mason Pierce, um, I can't remember the school right now. Well, that's the, that's uh, the that's McNeese, right? Was he McNeese as well? I think so. Yeah, okay. Uh, so he's a wide receiver, a burner. If you have not seen his tape, I talked mm-hmm. about him a couple of episodes ago. Go watch it. Demarcus Harris is a wide receiver, comes over from UK. Luke Soto, a tight end, comes over from UTEP. And Dominic Kanopka is a long snapper, and he came from... Bowling Green. Bowling Green, yeah. Yep. So, again, not a comprehensive list, but that's who we've got. Yep, and of, of course... You know, coaches said before, we're going to keep some of these other guys under wraps because he talked about other coaches in the country contacting people. And, you know, he said mysteriously after we get a kid, other schools want them. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that speaks to how well we recruit, how well we identify talent. And it's like, you know, you kind of get the feeling like, well, let's just sit back to some degree and see who, you know, Huff and his guys will go after and we'll just try to poach him, you know. So there will be more news, I'm sure, um, as we get to signing day or certainly after, shortly after. Yeah. So we'll have a more comprehensive list, a complete list. And, and still, even at signing day, it'll be a – we will probably add players to the roster all the way up through spring ball, all the way into the summer sessions as well. So it, it will. your roster is not set in stone in February at all. Yeah, last year we brought in a couple offensive linemen and a uh, linebacker over the summer, and mm-hmm. uh, one in particular, if I'm remembering correctly, with Jace Bobo, he came in maybe three weeks before the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he It was uh, after August the 1st, if I'm not mistaken, that he came in. Uh, so anyway, we also have to round this out. Uh, we've already announced all these, but coming back is Eli Neal, Mike Abraham, and Owen Porter. So mm-hmm. three big uh, stalwarts there on the defense side uh, that are coming back. But that's our update so far. Yeah, this is a lot of... There's a lot of moving parts. This is a really fun time of year if you're a, you know, a roster nerd like I am and a, and a scholarship nerd and a recruiting geek like I am. I just love this stuff. I think it's very interesting. And and the added dynamic of the transfer portal and NIL into all of that, whether you like it or not, it just makes for more intriguing and interesting process. So I enjoy all that stuff, you know, and, I, and I've consciously – stopped allowing it to like affect me you know make my ruin my day because it's it doesn't 
you know, it doesn't have any bearing on how I go about my day. It's just, it's something I enjoy. I celebrate these dudes when they commit to play for the herd and, and I celebrate them while they're here. And if they decide to move on, I wish them well, because it's just easier and better to do that, you know, because me as a fan harping at a guy for deciding to transfer doesn't amount to a hill of beans, honestly. Yeah. So it's just, it's just better to take that route. And, and if you don't want to take that route, don't, that's fine. I'm not telling you not to gripe at him. I'm just saying whatever you're saying, it's not making any bearing on their thought process. So, you know, whatever. Uh, but let's take this cat around the herd. Yeah, and if I can uh, get through this emphysema that I seemingly am battling right now, I'll see if I can't uh, get us in and out on these. Uh, starting off with tennis, uh, they had the NIU Husky Winter Invitational, and that was uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. On day one, we had doubles wins for Dorotaja Joksovich and Aisling McGrain, also for Sophia Hurion and Angela Lopicic. Singles win for Jokesovich as well on day one. Day two, we saw doubles wins for Gabrielle Clairot and Aisling McGrain, and then also for Dorotaja Jokesovich and Angela Lopicic. Ruby Fraser, and I always wonder if this is Reiki or Riki, but I'm going to say Reiki Gilar. And uh, we had a singles win by Sophia Hurion. Day three, singles win for Hurry On and Clairot. And that was all the winners of these different events for that day. This is one of those sports where it's not something that we can watch on ESPN. So all we have to go on really is the results page. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can see basically the the sets and who won and who lost and that's it so we don't have a lot to go on so if any of you that do follow this in a lot uh better fashion would ever like to reach out to us and give us a little bit more info that we can talk about we would love that Mm -hmm. yeah if you're a tennis nut and you go over and check out the matches at home and you know you know more about tennis than we do then yeah hit us up we'd love to hear a, a more I don't want to call it an informed and educated response, but an informed and educated response. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like to talk to someone at the tennis program and have more shine thrown on them because we don't want to exclude anybody here at the Thundercast. We want to talk about them all, but if it's something where we have no highlight videos and we have nothing, you know, it's just, it's really hard to do anything besides read off some results. So no, uh, no, Dis intended when we do that, but we, we can only, only get what we get. Yeah. So, you know, all right. We're going to go over to swim and dive. As you know, that was uh part of that big Saturday. Uh, they actually mm-hmm. played for, uh, had a meet on Friday and everything, but they had the Saturday along with track and the basketball and all that. So they lost the meet to Ohio Friday, 197 to 97, but we had first place finishes for Grace Kelsheimer in the one meter dive and the three meter dive. Maya McBride uh, also finished first in the 100 meter backstroke. The next morning, we lost the meet to James Madison, 164 to 136, and we won seven events in that. 
Esther Laban won the uh, 1,000 meter freestyle. Maya McBride won the 100 meter backstroke and the 200 meter backstroke. Laban also won the 500 meter freestyle. Grace Kelsheimer again won the one meter dive. Paige Banton took home uh, the victory in the 100 meter breaststroke and the 200 meter breaststroke. They'll be hosting Duquesne for a dual meet Friday night at 6 p.m. and then 11 a.m. Saturday morning over on Marshall's campus. So if you are looking for something to do tonight or in the morning, depending on when this show is going to be uploaded, that is, head on over there and watch the girls swim and dive. Big question. Yeah. Did anybody hit the... uh rubber ducky toss that we were talking about last time. Did anybody cash in on that? Cause uh, that, that would be cool. I don't know. Again, that's some things that I would <laughs> like for somebody to give us this info because yeah. I want to see some video of the tosses as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, we, of course. Yeah. If, I mean, uh, hell, we'd like to talk to coach Ian Walsh and, and get a feel for his program. And, uh, but these are, these are, these are sports that just don't garner the coverage, you know, and it's, I'm, it's not a slam at anybody or anything like that. It's just, they're not readily available. Like we can't consume it on ESPN plus, just like you're talking about. If we could, then it would just be so much easier to follow, but I get it. Um, but still, you know, it's nice when we can come in here every week and, you you know, you send me folks. I still think folks think that, we have uh, you send me uh, what we're going to be talking about like days in advance or whatever. And you, yeah. and I don't, you, I get what we're going to be talking about before. And to get a list this big on swim and dive success for the week is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I know on audio, you can't see this big, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it was a really long column of positive results from the swim meet. And I mean, what else can you do but talk about how well we're doing in certain disciplines? So, you know, you could say, well, swim and dive had a meet. We lost 197 to 97, and that's it. But we had several athletes winning events, several athletes placing higher in events. And we talk about these with a lot of these like Olympic sports, and it's a continual theme. Uh, A lot of times you're competing. Yes, you're competing with against other athletes, but you're competing against yourself. You're trying to Mm -hmm. you're competing against the clock. Yeah. And, and you're just trying to drive your times down. And it's and it's more so really about, again, we'll talk about this all the time, peaking at tournament time. That's yep. when you want to hit your stride. So it's great to be reporting on these wins at meets. Great. But really, really what we want is personal bests being hit, school records being hit, all this kind of stuff, conference records being hit at tournament time. It's funny you should mention that because let's take it now over to men's and women's track and field. Uh, the men were triumphant in their first meet back since 2003, and they won convincingly 97 to 69 to 18 amongst the three teams that uh, were in uh, in the meet on the men's side. The women came in second and about as close as you could possibly come. There were uh, six teams in that, and it was 193 for James Madison, 192 for Marshall. Home cooking. Yeah. (laughs) Then 133, 27, 17, and 10. So thank you to whoever scored 10 for keeping the herd out of the victory column, I'm going to (laughs) say. So 
just to go along with what you said, there were 48 personal bests. Holy crap. On, on Saturday. 48 personal bests. Get this. Abby Herring set a school record. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's hard to believe, and she's probably said it about 17 times since we started this show, but she set a school record again. And this time in the indoor mile with a time of four minutes, 54.24 seconds. Tyra Thomas also broke a school record in the 60 meter hurdles. And she was in at eight, uh, 37 on that. And she won first place on that. Abby Herring setting that school record. She actually came in second in that event at the meet. Um, here's some more wins. Got a lot of them. Also saw wins by Brett Armbruster in the mile, 4 minutes, 20.96 seconds. Timothy Snyder in the weight throw, 15.7 meters, and shot put, 12.14 meters. Quay Harrison in the high jump, 1.84 meters. Mary Ann Adebayo, now get this, um, we never want to talk about like women athletes are getting lesser uh, scores or whatever than men athletes because sometimes that's true when you look at miles and runs and stuff like that. But if you look at what Brett Arm, or not Brett Armbruster, Timothy Snyder did in the weight throw and the shot put, now look what Marianne Adebayo did. She beat both of that uh, as well did the second place people but in the weight throw she threw for 18.94 meters and the shot put 12.81 meters and just mere centimeters behind her was rebecca Merritt, also at 12.81 official on the meters and macy majoy came in on pole vault 3.9 meters laura check uh won the long jump 5.58 meters Micah Elaine, we've talked about her plenty of times on the long distance mm -hmm. runs, 600 meters. It was uh, one minute, 34.71 seconds. Kylie Martin in the 800 meters, two minutes, 13.48 seconds. And finally, Ethan Bowens from right here in Wayne County won the 60 meter dash at 6.90 seconds of note. Two through four in the 60-meter dash, all Marshall, all football players that are running track. I've got their times as well. Uh, for those that are interested, EJ Horton was at 6.95, Rasheen Ali, 6.98, and Jaden Harrison, 7 flat. So the top four under 7 flat, Ethan Bowens, who also played football uh, out there but is not on the men's team here at Marshall, all of them 6.9 to 7 seconds. Yeah, really? do you do you know I thought I saw this it could have been a different guy. The Bowens does he run for UC? Do you no, know he runs for Marshall? I thought you said he doesn't run for Marshall. He doesn't play football for Marshall. Oh, doesn't play football for Marshall. Okay. Yeah. No, so you. Marshall won the top four. I wasn't going to list him if he didn't win. Oh, I got you. Okay. I'm all these you. were all these were our first place winners in these events. And Ethan Bowens for us, he just does not play football. Uh, gotcha. Two through two through four play football. Sheesh. That's a that's I mean, one through four is a pretty good way to dominate an event at your <laughs> first and, event in twenty and, some years. 
six point nine seconds to seven seconds is not a lot of time. And if you saw the video on social media or on Herd Zone, wherever you could see it, it was just right like that that all yeah. four were across there. So that's cool. I really think this track and field program for the men is going to be a huge plus moving forward. Uh, I, I think we'll see that pay big dividends uh in in years to come so uh if there's a if of course you should support all all of herd athletics by joining the big green right you can do that by joining mm -hmm. the big green but um throw some support behind track and field they really need it for starting up the program right now and if it's something that we can use not only to compete in the track and field <clears throat> disciplines but as an auxiliary recruiting tool for you know herd football then we really need to throw a little bit of added support behind track and field maybe make a maybe make a uh, program exclusive donation to the track and field program so we can get that up and running and uh, quick quicker than you know normal i guess and we did just that at the end of the year. We uh, we made a specific donation to that sport. We asked, and they said that that was what was needed the most at that time. You know, when you're just starting a program up and you have to buy um, uniforms, you know, I mean, there's just all this different stuff that you have to do that this was not in the budget because it just came in mid uh fiscal year or however, you know, on the budget. So we did that and we encourage everybody else to do mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. All right. Over to round ball, women's basketball, man, they have had uh, a little bit of a slide, but they have still come back, never quit. They did it again last night, but let's talk about uh, the results since we last recorded. On uh, Thursday the 12th, they lost to Coastal Carolina 65 to 61. And on Saturday, they lost to Old Dominion 63 to 56. And then last night to Troy 87 to 77. Now, mm -hmm. a theme is they're getting behind and then they make a mad dash at the end, never give up, chipping away, coming back, coming close to a victory. That's one of those things that you have to believe they can get ironed out that if they don't have such an insurmountable lead to overcome, then, you know, that, that will help them. So it seems to be that third quarter and sometimes second quarter, they just end up, you know, the shots go cold, some turnovers here and there, they find themselves behind by double digits and then they have to come back. Yeah, that that was the story last night. It seemed with uh, the Troy game, mm -hmm. it's really really tight game there part way through the third. Um, I mean, you're talking about a, a a bucket, you know, two points, and then a big Troy run, and you go from down uh two to down nearly twenty. Mm -hmm. You know, so the cold streak and then the turn, it's just, it piles up. So yeah. if they can, if you don't even have to avoid giving up the run, it's college basketball. Everybody goes on a run. Everybody. Yeah. It's just mitigating that run, you know, maybe not a 18 to two run. Maybe, you know, if you can make that an 11 to two run and yeah. then all of a sudden you're in it at the end, you know, of course you don't want to give up a run, but Hey, everybody goes, herd goes on runs too. Yeah. Uh, and it seems seems like too that when they get down for so big, you know, you're talking around twenty points, fifteen to twenty points, 
it almost puts that sense of urgency in of, of course we, we we have to hit a three we have to hit a three and then if you're already shooting a little cold it's almost like you're forcing a three when you didn't need to just to try to come back a little bit chip away a little bit more and that can make those runs last a little bit longer and that's not something i'm saying about just these women I'm talking about the sport itself, men's Mm -hmm. team, women's team, all across the country. When you get behind, you seem to shoot more threes, uh, want to not be able, you don't have the time to work it in for the shot that you want. You have to create quicker because time keeps going, keeps going. So Sometimes you do all of that and you run into a team that is just red hot. And that's mm-hmm. what Troy was red hot last night. They shot 55% from the floor, 45% from behind the arc. I mean, dang. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me flip that. 45% from the floor, 55% from behind the arc. So they were just they, – they seemingly couldn't miss, right? Whereas the herd was uh, under 40% from the floor and under 30% from the three-point range. It was, it was just uh, – Tough scenario. Rochella Scott again, 29 points. Abby Beeman, 19 points. So the scores keep scoring. It's just, it seems like when the herd gets that third score to have a really good game, uh, you know, to go into double digits and you've got a fourth score that's teetering up around 10 points, they just are in a better position. But if it seems like it falls, those games where it falls almost exclusively on Rochella and Abby to do all the scoring, the herd just struggles a little bit more. And, you know, that's not, it's not a call out to anybody. It's just, that is what it is. If yeah. you look at the box scores, if there's two dominant scores instead of three dominant scores, Marshall's usually on the wrong side of that game. And that's what this one proved to be a 10 point loss to Troy. But, you know, now the herd is a, a 500 ball club again, nine and nine. So, you know, then uh, you might as well be zero and zero, right? So start it all over again and just go on a run and, um, you know, see where you can go for the final, what is it, dozen games or so and see where you what, what you can do. No better place to start than this Saturday where they'll be hosting Southern Miss at the CAM at 1 p.m. Again, we'll have tickets. Yep. And then Thursday they'll be at UL Monroe. 6.30 p.m. on Thursday on ESPN+. Plus. Next Saturday, of course, we'll have a show again before them, but they will be at Arkansas State at 2 p.m. on Saturday. Cool. All right, over to the men. Slightly different where the women have hit a three-game skid. The men have a three-game winning streak on what we're talking about. January the 12th on Thursday, that uh, ESPN2 game, they made a statement. Southern Miss was uh, neck and neck with us, uh, and a lot of people had them above us. In uh, Ken Palm, in uh, the net rankings and all that, they had Southern Miss a little bit above us. Well, we took them to the woodshed, mm-hmm. 89 to 67, and it seemed like that game wasn't even that close. Uh, great atmosphere, late night. But we had a bunch of of people. There were more people there on Saturday officially in the crowd. But the crowd was loud and with it on that Thursday night. And we seemed to feed off that. And we ran them out of the gym. Mm -hmm. Sure did. That was a good Southern Miss team. Uh, They had 
I mean, I still think we might be tied at, atop the standings currently. But yeah. going back to that game, you're right. They were ranked in some places higher than the herd. And uh, I love the Southern Miss fan base. I got nothing against those guys and gals. But, you know, they had this thing like, well, Marshall's not as good as us, you mm-hmm. know. And to come in and win, like if you go in and win a close game, you still give them the argument to go, well, you know, we let that one slip away. What Wasn't our night, that sort of thing. But if you get run out of the gym by 22 – you can go, okay, this – you can't sit there and go, well, you know, we're just as good as them. It's like, no, mm-hmm. like Marshall's a, a, a tick above you right now. And, again, you, I love those folks. I got nothing to say about it. But if we're being fair, if this is the other side of the coin and we got blasted by Southern Miss by 22, I'd be You'd say they're going, legit. That's a damn good team. Yeah. Marshall's really good too, but Southern Miss is ahead of where we are right now, and that's not yeah. the case. Yeah. Uh, th- that was amazing. That was an amazing effort. It looked great. That's the type of environment you have to create when you have the opportunity to showcase on national television. That's how you make people take notice. You put an effort like that. You run a good team out of the gym. The place is packed. It's It's loud. It's engaged. The guys are feeding off of that. You have four guys over, over 15 points in the game. Uh, Han Lockton and Kerfman both go for 17. Han Lockton has 16 rebounds in that game. Andy Taylor has 19 and 9, and Kenzie goes for a game-high 23 for the herd. I mean, that's the games that you have to have. Right, you have to say we can stack up against the best in the conference. Again, I'm not tossing shade at App State, but they ran App State out of the gym, and App State's, you know, a notch lower than the Marshall right now. To mm. do that to Southern Miss is a whole different thing, a whole different thing. Uh, the herd shot 50 percent from the floor in that game. I mean, Southern Miss shot well too; they were right around 40 percent. But Marshall was just in their bag. They were, they were in their bag that night, and you could tell that the the energy, the environment. Just push those guys to another level. It was an awesome game. Saturday, the ODU game, which I was able to go and take the family. Um, by the way, my girls were out there at halftime with that uh, cheer clinic. Got to give mm-hmm. a quick shout out to that cheer clinic. It was wonderfully ran, massively participated in, and uh, just seeing the faces of these five to 12 year old girls that got to go out on the court and perform the cheers with the cheerleaders and have a sold out crowd. Yeah. Cheering them on and watching. Um, my kids are still on cloud nine. From I'd that. say that's a lifetime memory. You know, that, that becomes a core memory. Yeah. And I mean, so much value in that you one, you're helping their program, but 50 bucks to be able to get to do that, provide that memory for them, get pizza for a pizza party. they, met new friends. They saw old friends. Anyway, let's talk about the game. A um, little bit of a uh, run them out of the gym to start, then go ice cold and have us being down at half, 37 to 33, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't have it up in front of me. And uh, it just seemed like, man, it, we, we just could, we could not hit anything. I even tweeted out that it seemed like there was a, a lid on the basket for our shots, just in and out, could not go. And we came out in the second half, just went on one of those runs that you were talking about, and we really handed it to them down the stretch, 173 to 65. And that's a very good ODU team. Yep, I don't sure care is. what their I don't care what their record says. The way that they play ball, they're physical, they slow it down, they're a half court team. It was a total mismatch of styles and what they did there 
when we started off hot for them to come back and really slow us down, take us out of their game. They got a good coach and a good program. Yeah. And that's a team that we lose to last year playing that style. We learned how to win this year. And that's a, this is a victory in a completely different way because old dominion was hot in that game. 52% Mm. from the floor, 50% from three point range. Marshall, Lower in both of those categories, 47% from the floor, only 34, well, only, but 34% from three-point range. Old Dominion's over 50% or 50% and over in both of those categories, and you're still able to pull out a win. Marshall got zero bench scoring in this game. Uh, It fell on the shoulders of that starting five, and for as good as Han Lockton has been all season long, we're going to continue to pray. He had a rough game. Four points, mm-hmm. nine rebounds, so he was a big contributor uh, on the glass. But as far as scoring goes, it wasn't really there against the Old Dominion. This fell on uh, Kerfman and Taylor and Kinsey to bring the lion's share of the points, as it does a lot. But um, this is one of those nights where Kerfman, you will praise him for – being a scorer, but he went through a rough stretch, right? Six of 13, you go cold. And like you talk about before you hit two or three, and now you're all of a sudden almost 50% from three point range. If he doesn't take that many shots, he probably doesn't have that many points, right? Yeah. So you needed every one of them to, to change the flow of that game. You needed every point you could get to extend even a small lead to put it a little further out of reach as it got down to it. I mean, what a what a different type of win. Now we've seen Marshall win some gutsy games. We've seen him run teams out of the gym. We've seen them lose heartbreakers. So this team is just a different team than we've seen in the past. It's just different, and it's really great to see. They're going to be dangerous coming, uh, you know, in in February and March and come tournament time. Kerfman in that game went six of thirteen, as you mentioned. That was at the time his season high, both in. Uh, shots made and points but not to be outdone last night he started out seven for seven from three-point land seven of nine overall 21 points and we had another different win that was one of those that we would have gotten blown out last year we got dominated on the boards uh and lockton had uh foul trouble um uh Oak had foul trouble. Uh, we, I mean, it was just fouls and getting beat on the board seemed to be the deal for us. We had a lot of turnovers as well. Uh, we had a rough start with Kinsey to where he only had, I think, four points going into the half because he had two charging fouls. And they just also, as he sat a lot, he only played 14 minutes of the first half. He had a just taken out of his game. Mm-hmm. What did he do down the stretch? He just dominated. Mm-hmm. He took it to them. We came back. We, um, in a back and forth, most of the second half game, we pulled away late. We also hit our foul shots to the tune of 14 out of 16, including five in the final minute to two minutes to ice this game, 81 to 73. And now we're looking at what we talked about earlier, 16 and four out of the first 20 games a lot more games than we won all of last year yeah <laughs> yeah and the, and the best start that we've had in 
30, 40 years. Many fans' lifetimes. We'll put it that way. Many, many fans' lifetimes. So you mentioned Kenzie has 14 minutes going into halfway, finishes the game with 34 minutes. So that Mm -hmm. tells you the type of second half that he had, finishes with 19 points, so 15 points scored in the second half of that game. Kerfman has a career high in a herd uniform with 21 points. You mentioned on seven hit, uh, seven made three-pointers. Um. Andy Taylor also had 20 points. So Kenzie in that game ends up being the third leading scorer for the herd. Uh, and of course, much of that has to do with a uh, stifling first half, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. So this is a second half type comeback uh, where your superstar player is taken out of half of the game, basically, and you're still able to win. So yet another way Marshall's been able to win <clears throat> a game. Um Again, the bench scoring for the herd wasn't there. Six points combined for Frick, Fricks and Connor both. Uh, so everything fell again on that starting five. You were talking about being out-rebounded, which is something that Marshall does not have happen this year. Minus eight in rebounds against Texas State. So they're they're showing that they can be at a disadvantage in several categories and still overcome that because the weapons are just there you know, in mass, you know, whereas if Kenzie had an off night last year, well, Marshall probably lost, you know, even though Andy Taylor is really good, even though open is really good. And David early is really good. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But now we have the luxury of having more scores to where guys can have an off night and we can still come out with a win. Yeah. From here, we play uh Saturday and that's at Arkansas state. 3 p.m. Eastern. It'll be on ESPN Plus, just like all of our games, by the way. Uh, next Thursday, they play at the CAM, 7 p.m., and that is against uh, ULM. And then next Saturday at the CAM, 7 p.m., hosting Georgia State. Of course, again, every home game, we'll have tickets. And all you got to do most of the time is either like a tweet or retweet it or something to have an opportunity to win, and we'll get a hold of you if you are the lucky one. All that we ask is that if you enter our contest, please be able to go to the games. We we give these tickets away for the sole purpose of putting two butts in the seats. <laughs> you know, yeah, we've already supported the program financially by paying for these tickets up front, but that's not what it's about. We want to create a more engaging fan experience as well, and you do that by packing out the cam. So if you're going to enter our contest, please be able to go to the Dagon games. If not, we appreciate your support, but let somebody else have an opportunity that will go to the game. Russ, if you got anything else, take us out here. I got nothing else. All I'm going to say is if you see us at the cam or you see us at the Joan, or you see us getting over this 18 week emphysema that I must be having. Sorry for all the coughing this week. No matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. We'll see you. It's the Thundercast. Uh, Check us next week. Later.